degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. The school year is underway, and starting tomorrow, the Calgary Board of Education is changing the way it deals with cases of COVID-19. On Monday, schools will begin providing notifications when families self-report a confirmed case of COVID to their school. If families report a positive case, schools will send out a notice to specific classes associated with the case, as well as a general notice to the school community. These notices will come at the end of the school day and won't be sent out on weekends. The CBE stresses that kids who are sick need to stay at home, and if 10% or more of students do stay home because of similar symptoms, AHS could declare an outbreak. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. In the southeast on Pagan Trail at 52nd Street, speed is reduced to 50. Watch for narrow lanes when going eastbound to southbound. In the southwest on 37th Street at 26th Ave, two-way traffic is in place. Use 28th Ave as a detour. Join the virtual run for women, sponsored by the Love You by Shoppers Drug Mart program in support of women's mental health. Register today at shoppersdrugmart.ca. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. A new bike lane in the Beltline is causing concern for local business owners. Marika Steiba owns Peas Blossom Flowers on 11th Street Southwest and says the changes could make the area more dangerous and cost her potential customers. It's going to cause um, hazard in the winter time as we'll all have to walk through the um, bike lane to get to our vehicles. It pushes cars further into the street. It'll make loading challenging. It's reducing parking quite substantially by 50%. Um, so it'll actually make things more um, dangerous as people fight to try and find parking. Steiba believes the project was a predetermined plan and is frustrated with how community engagement was done. However, the city says public engagement for the 11th Street project was conducted in August of 2020 and that stakeholder feedback was incorporated into the plan. Decision Canada on Global News Radio. The three main federal party leaders are taking their pitches for votes across the country today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau spoke with reporters on gun control and climate change, among other issues, at a campaign stop in Montreal this morning. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh spoke at the same time in Sudbury during the first of four campaign stops in Northern Ontario today. His last stop of the day will be in Sioux Lookout, where he'll hop onto Facebook Live to speak with residents of Nunavut. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole is set to speak in Vancouver later today. There's just over a week left until Canadians head to the polls to elect the next federal government. Advanced polls are open today and tomorrow for those wanting to cast their vote ahead of the September 20th election day. Polls are open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and you'll need a piece of ID and your voter card. A 25-year-old St. Thomas, Ontario man is facing a charge of assault with a weapon for allegedly throwing gravel, gravel at Liberal leader Justin Trudeau at a campaign stop last week. The London Police Service says Shane Marshall has appeared in court and has another appearance scheduled for October 6. Taking a look at sports, the future is bright for Canadian tennis sensation Leila Fernandez. The 19-year-old lost the U.S. Open final to Britain's Emma Raducanu yesterday, but she wants to show the world that her magical run was no fluke by returning to the finals again next year. Global News Sky Tracker weather, the fog is starting to clear and the sh- and showers are expected this afternoon, in addition to a risk of a thunderstorm. We'll see a high of about 17 degrees today. Cloudy overnight with possible showers, cooling down to a low of about 8. And Monday and Tuesday will both be sunny with highs of 17 and 20 degrees.
but the rain will be back by Wednesday with a high of only 9 degrees. It's 10 degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news update will be at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and we're having a perfect gardening kind of day. It's uh, it's one of those days where you can get out if you want to maybe move some of those perennials that are starting to to die back and looking a little bit rattier. You can move them around a bit. You can also split a few things if you like. But it's also time, again, I mentioned this last week, is looking into your garden, seeing those empty spots, and then maybe pop down to a garden center and pick up um, something to fill in those spots that are that are a little bit empty right now. Because you're planting right now, it's good because the ground's nice and warm. The plants, when you put them in there, the roots are going to develop and uh, and then do great next spring, be ready to pop up and just go crazy for you. So great time to plant. And these are perfect days. These kind of cool little moist days to get out and do a few things. If you have a shrub or something that you maybe planted earlier and it's not quite in the right spot and you want to move it a bit, um, right now is a good time to do that and and any of those kind of things like right now. Also, getting your fall bulbs and picking those up and uh, getting those ready to go into the garden. And right now it's cooling off. We're getting those cooler nights, so it's getting close where you can you can start planting your bulbs. And I like sort of doing mass plantings. If you're doing the tulips and some of the ones, like you want to, I, I like to do at least sort of seven or or more like that 15 in a in a spot pick those sunny spots that you have in your yard because in calgary if you put them in too early i mean in the wrong spot where there's not getting sun they come up later in the summer and bulbs don't do great when they come up when it's when the air is too warm they need those cool mornings they come up they stay crisper if they're in those sort of not sunny spots and they wait till where the sun's hitting somewhere later in the summer, they come up and they just seem to fade away right away. So they 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 love that cool morning. So look for somewhere where at this time of year where it's a little sunnier and then pick those spots so early in the season you're going to get some nice spring color and that just sets off the the gardening season when you start seeing your bulbs come up, which is great. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And, of course, out of town, 1-800-563-7770. Quite a few uh, texts already on the go, and that is the talk and text line. So feel free to give us a shout on uh, on either one if you want to text or or calls. Calls are always great. Keeps the show rolling. Gives me something to talk to, which is always good. And uh, I got Jen coming in. She's going to chat a little bit here, and we're going to find out what's going on. I know we got a bunch of bulbs in and some other stuff. So she's uh, she's going to fill us in on what we got going down there. And uh, but actually, why don't I bring her on right now? Since she's already there, I hear she's ready to go. Good morning, Jen. All right, maybe not quite yet, but I'm going to read this one. Good morning. Some of these geraniums I grew from seed this year. Now I'm wondering when and how do I store them for winter? Dale, those are actually great-looking geraniums. I know some people bring them in, and I've heard they 
they uh, put them into some smaller plots. They hang them upside down, kind of let them go dormant. Um, some people I heard kind of put them in a dark basement and kind of just let them go dormant that way. I've never, ever done that. So I've always just used them as stock plants. I bring them in, cut them back, pick your favorite ones, sort of one of each. Um, I take about 20 to 30% off the top, put them into a nice new pot, sort of like an 8 or 10-inch pot at least, and then just let them grow in the house. And then just after Christmas, I cut them back one more time. And then that way, once you get into January, February, um, you'll get a bunch of new growth. And that's where you take your cuttings from if you want to do cuttings. You can take some great cuttings and then reproduce them. Then they're even stronger than the seed geraniums. But you did well. The ones in your uh, whiskey barrels are looking awesome. And then the up against the garage there. Yeah, great. Uh, looks like you got a great little greenhouse going on there, Dale. So nice work. All right. Um, let's go to Jen. Good morning, Jen. Hello, Merle. How are you? Good, good. You try to avoid me, but we got you. <laughs> yeah, I took it out and I hung up. I, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Technical it. difficulties. Hey, it happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. My life story. Yeah, I guess. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> hey, um, so exciting to see all the bulbs come in. So exciting. Yes. So fresh and bright and cheerful. And, you know, as we head into our shorter days. Yeah. That's what I love about the bulbs because they give you that. I find that they're the pure color, like even like for the summertime, like your canna lilies and your and your begonias. If you're getting the ones from the bulbs, like the they're just that they're a pure color, like they mm -hmm. just they give you a nice vibrant, and uh, and I just love it in the springtime. But they do got to be planted in the right spot. I was mentioned earlier, putting True. them into some larger, um, really bright sunny areas, and then then you're looked after well that way. Yes, and they'll just keep going. Or you can put them, have them in the ground like I do and keep digging them up accidentally. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how people mark those, but I, I don't know. I make a mess of it all the time. I don't know if anybody else does that. Yeah, no, that is the hard part, right? you got to yeah. mark sort of where you have them and, and not uh, not dig or turn over the soil in those areas as well because <laughs> otherwise you're kind of defeating the purpose, right? It's true. The struggle is real, Merle, but... Um, but, yeah, the varieties that we have in right now are outstanding. I was just admiring kind of what what is on the shelf right now. And one of the things that, because I selected them this year, and uh, I kind of went by what the favorites are, what people love to get, because you can see that, right, when we go through our retail yeah. and stuff. So, so I definitely brought those guys in, but I, I tried to hit some new ones up, some funky-looking ones or whatever. And one of the ones I was looking at, I'm a fan of scent for a lot of the flowers, and there's yeah. the Secret Perfume Double Early Tulips, and it's... It's actually scented. It's beautiful. It almost looks more like a peony. Um, that's a really, really cool one that I would love for people. If they're into scent, you know, that's a, that's a neat one to try. Yeah, so that's uh, – it'd be a double, a double tulip, I mm -hmm. believe. Uh, I'm still a fan of the Canada 150 one that was uh, out a couple years ago during yep. uh, Canada's birthday. I still see those displays around once in a while. Yeah. So that's sort of – one that I really like. But again, just do them in masses, plant them, get them in the nice sunny spots. If you have lots of rabbits or deer, you can spray the bulbs with Bobex or or the plant skid before you put them into the ground and then give the ground a quick little spray after. Just to deter those because uh, a lot of times the, the squirrels, they get pretty excited. They see you putting all those 
bulbs in the ground. They're like, ha ha, yeah. look at that yeah. buffet of tulips for me to dig up. So. It's, yeah, it's very true. And they, they, I think there's deer-resistant varieties as well. Um, so I did bring those in. I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't have a deer issue, so I, I'd be curious to know um, from customers what their input is. Yeah, it's, it, it's hard. Eh? Like, yeah. Sometimes the deers don't read the labels and they don't it's realize true. that they're deer resistant and they just go in and try it anyways. And yeah, they, no, you're right. Those There's are no bad. One, no one size fits all. Hey, um, no, it's it's tough with deer um, because sometimes, that, like I said, they get in and and I know one of the one of the guys we deal with, we work with Dwayne quite a bit on on some gardening mm-hmm. things and felt bad for him. He plants like I think a thousand um, tulip bulbs last summer. <laughs> Or last fall, and then they oh. came up this year, this early oh. spring, and they're just about to bloom. Yeah, and we just like, and then all of a sudden the deer got in there and just oh. chewed the tops off everything, and it was just like, oh my god, so was, heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Oh. Like you put a lot of work, and you kind of wait anticipation to see those gorgeous flowers come up, and yeah, and and then that happens. So yeah, um, hmm. and what's what's going on? So we we're gonna also you got some flowers that people wanna spruce up their pots a little bit for for fall we got lots of gorgeous oh. uh, garden mums in yeah they the mums came in a fresh supply i oh they're so full and beautiful we have the one gallon ones as well as uh i think we have some eight or ten inch ones left and then we have 13 inch and i'm talking about the pot size itself but the the flowers are overflowing um but yeah there, there's a restock in different colors um, just in the annual house there as well. Yeah, and they're nice yeah. and uh, and they're nice and uh, tight right now. So mm-hmm. just starting to open up, just starting to show the color. So yeah, people and that's were so the, happy. Hey, yesterday <laughs> to see them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and that's the tough thing when you grow is your timing. And we're lucky we mm-hmm. work with really good growers that uh, their timings because you have your early crop which starts blooming a couple weeks ago, and then you have your next phase starting to bloom now, and then um, so it's it's a it, it's a lot, of, and if you miss your timing, like especially if you're growing something like Easter lilies, where you have one weekend to hit, yep. <laughs> and if you're not bang on, it, it's it's yeah. frustrating or poinsettias or something, yeah. right? No, yeah, it's true. Speaking of Easter lilies, really quickly, we don't have amaryllis bulbs in yet. I know Jessica said people have been looking and asking, but they are on this order, so stay yeah. tuned. Um, just as uh, how did up. you relate that to Easter lilies? Uh, Easter and then amaryllis and Christmas, right? Holidays. Okay. Yeah, and then. Yeah. I- and I okay. thought it was. <laughs> I didn't know amaryllis were were for Easter, <laughs> but with me, we'll, hey, with me. let's change it. Let's change it. <laughs> well, now it does amaryllis your is your new thoughts, hey? is your new Easter your new Easter plant at amaryllis. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, now they know. Now they won't forget, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, no, sorry. Yeah. Let's go back. Okay. Yeah, no, they're simply yes for, for, for Christmas. We get them in a lot of times. But why not for Easter? Like, why not? Like, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the forever plant that keeps giving. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Okay. What uh, else? Too Perennials. Funny. What else? We have Perennials. Yeah, yeah, you have some. Again, I, I, this is the time of year when people, if you look out in your garden, most of your perennials have come to fruition. They've grown as big as they're going to get for the most part. Mm-hmm. Either you got to remove some or you have those empty bald spots in your garden that just need to be filled. And I'm not talking about the top of my head, but right there are those <laughs> spots on there. <laughs> And okay. you got to fill that in with a bit of Carl Forrest or, or some great color. Like we have those yeah. cone flowers or whatever else. 
Yeah. Just to give you those, uh, to fill in those empty spots in the garden. So. Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's still lots of, there's lots of stuff blooming still right now um, that we okay. have in store. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then you move into your uh, tropical house. We're just getting the whole tour here with Jen right now. Getting the tour so, of the tropical house. Yes. Love our tropical It was so house. good yesterday, that young family that was in, we were when we were chatting there, that, and they came in with their two kids, and they're looking for Venus fly traps. You kind of hit them with everything. They had everything they asked for, you had it. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was pretty impressed with it. That was nice. You. Yeah. That was, what is it, bat in a thousand? Is that the expression for that? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, the stuff that we're bringing in, and, and uh, actually I'm going to sit down today and do some more ordering, and um, yeah, it's going out faster than, than I can bring it in, actually. And so I've got some spots i got to fill up. But there's just some interesting, interesting plants if people just stop and have a look. And we're happy to talk about them, too. The ones, the alocasias, those regal shields, are, are heading out of here quite frequently, I notice. And our monsteras, we're having a hard time keeping those in store as I'd, well. Yeah, okay. I love the um, all the foliage plants, right? Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Like, I have the one that looks like the shark skin. I'm not. What is that one called again? Oh, the silver sword, and I th- we have some of those as well. The silver sword. It's a philodendron. Yeah, I love it. I always touch the leaf. I feel like I'm I'm petting a shark. Like <laughs> it just reminds me of shark skin. I don't know why, but it. it just, You're on a roll today, Merle. Yeah, it's it, it's good stuff. Yeah. So when we're watching you in the greenhouse, we're like, oh, there he is by the silver sword again. Well, that, that makes sense. He, th- he yeah. thinks he's the guy Jaws on the beach. There, he's calming the the big white down and. <laughs> no, but you're right. There's so many, so many interesting things. You know, the details in those plants, and um, we're always happy to talk. And I always encourage people just. Just stroll. I mean, just come in and stroll. It's it's just and that's nice, it. Like take the right? two minutes, stop and look at each plant a yeah. bit. Can you? Because re- sometimes we walk by, you can, and that happens to a lot of us because we're there all the time, right? You kind of walk through and mm-hmm. you just uh, but when you just stop and as they say, smell the roses once in a while, but just stop yeah. and uh, touch the foliage once in a while, it um, you realize that they're so different and there's so many neat um, different varieties and. Um, I seen a young lady yesterday. She was buying a uh, a great big croton, and mm-hmm. just beautiful. Like it, this looked great. And she just had a spot in her house. She was gonna fill this in. She had a pot at home. She was gonna take it home and put it in that pot. It was just great. So it is. Yeah, we're lucky. We get to do some fun things for people. I had a customer yesterday. She bought that mini jade, the variegated one, so that like the yeah. bonsai looking one. She put it in one of those beautiful terracotta bird pots. It was stunning. I, I had oh. Terry come over to have a look at it. I, I had to show it off for her. <laughs> it was crazy good. The Berg terracotta, they are a little bit pricier than some of the normal, but man, did they stand oh. out. Like they, yeah. They're gorgeous. When you put a nice plant in those. Yes, um, I love my Bergs. <laughs> yeah, Berg is, uh, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, It's they're a great looking and pot, and we're the exclusive dealer for those out of uh, out of Denmark, and they're made in, in Italy mm-hmm. and for the Calgary area. So if you're looking for that uh, special terracotta pot, that's oh, the one right pretty. there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, sounds like you got everything covered down there, Jen. So uh, look forward. We'll probably see you a little bit later. And who's yeah. ever come down, don't forget to say hi to Jen in the greenhouse. I think she's on her own today. Jessica's so in get... as well. She'll be here. Oh yeah, so, right. Jess yeah. is in today. I forgot. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Cool. You got Thanks, the Merle. dynamic duo. You got Jen and Jess and uh, for all your plant needs. And you got Terry and the team out in the tree lot. So lots of time to plant and do all that kind of stuff out in the garden. So thanks a lot, Jen. You bet. Have a good day. All right. Take care. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to do a few texts, and we'll be good to go. It says here, Merle, I got a rodent problem, and I need to identify. At first, thought it was a vole eating perennials, but there is a difference between voles and moles. It's uh, the one the, the moles won't eat your your soil. And I just sent a picture over to you. And they look like they have really no eyes. And the voles look like the little mouse. And they eat all kinds of plants. They burrow. They cause all the damage on your tree and shrub roots. And they cause all kinds of damage. The the moles, they just more make tunnels and big mounds of dirt all over the place. They don't really eat any of the plants. So you're, you're good to go that way. And what else here? I got a couple other things. Good morning, Merle. I have a clipping from a Virginia creeper. I have it in water, and it's starting to grow roots. I want to plant outside. Is it too late in the season? Um, it, I would do it as soon as possible. So if you could get out there and plant it right away, that would be great. Um, typically, I'd like to put it into a pot, let it develop some roots, um, maybe put it in an unheated garage if you have that um, ability, sort of just leave it outside in the pot till the first frost sort of dies back. Um, water it well, and then just put a little bit of mulch over it, and then just store it in a in a cool, dark place. Um, and then that would be great as well. Either that, or or just put it in the ground, try and get some roots going on it here as soon as possible. Just make sure you, if you do plant something like that outside, you don't let it dry out that would be the biggest problem because there's just there's nothing there to keep it going so um the virginia creeper would just end up just desiccating and going so if i was to plant it outside i'd make sure i water it really well i'd put um bark mulch over top of it and then i'd water the bark mulch really good right up until freeze up and then that way it would uh deal with that and it, it should be able to keep the ground frozen and I think, uh, Tony, if you're back there, wouldn't mind putting Trish on the line. Good morning, Trish. Uh, maybe not yet. Okay. He does that take a quick break, and then I'm just going to do a few more texts here. I need to translate my peony because it was too deep. Should I cut it down first? Um, no, you should leave the foliage on, or I would wait until after the first frost before I did it or wait till first thing in the spring because you want that um, all the nutrients from the leaves and that to go back down into the bulb of that uh, peony so you don't want to lose all that energy and digging it up you might unless you just did it recently if, if it was just within the last year or so you plan it you should be okay dig a nice big hole lift it up and, and do it that way, then you should be okay. But I I would definitely not remove any of the foliage from that. I would uh, leave it on, let it die back, all that energy downloads into it, and then you're good to go. it definitely help out on that one. Yeah, and peonies don't like to be planted too deep. I plant them wherever you had them, on the pot, right at that same level, and then that typically will do good. They will not perform well if they're if they're planted too deep. All right, let's go to Trish. Good morning, Trish. Oh, actually, I'm already on break time. All right, 
So when I get back, we're going to go to Trish. I've teased her twice there. So when we get back, we'll definitely go to Trish. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. It's misty and 11 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. The Calgary Board of Education is set to start notifying families of COVID-19 cases in schools. Effective tomorrow, notices of positive cases will be sent out when families self-report a case to their school. The CBE says it is important kids stay home when they are sick. The major federal party leaders are campaigning today, a week ahead of the election. Advance polls are open today and tomorrow until 9 p.m. Police shot and killed a cougar they say was prowling in a Lethbridge subdivision yesterday. Local police say a witness saw the cougar jump a two-meter fence from an alley into someone's backyard, and officers who responded were faced with an aggressively posturing cougar just yards away. Chance of showers or a thunderstorm later today with a high of 17, cloudy and a low of 8 overnight, sunshine tomorrow with a high of 17. It's 11 degrees, breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled news at 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Trish. Good morning, Trish. Good morning. Hi there. How can I help Hi you? There. Um, Hi there. I have a question about a rental property that I have. I've been reading about um, it faces south, and it's a big slope. Like it's, a, it's quite a big slope. Yep. So the grass dies all the time. So I'm thinking about putting clover in. What time of year is the best time to put that in, and what is the process? Well, typically you do it in the springtime. Okay. Um, it, 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 you're going to get the same result, though. Like clover, like it'll it'll sustain a bit more. But if it's a hill that never gets watered, um, it's it's going to go brown and die as well. And I think the clover would almost look worse than the grass. What I would suggest, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then it looks like a bunch of dead clover on there. Because it just yeah. you're dealing with our clay soil and a slope. So if you want to yeah. keep grass, what I would suggest is um, a good power raking in the spring. Fertilize, use our fertilizer, the, the mm-hmm. green it up, because it has the high middle number. So it, it builds the root system up a lot deeper than any of the other fertilizers. And then it's able, you use about half as much water as you would typically on your lawn. So I've seen it sustain greenness on hills and slopes a lot longer than any of the other ones because the fertilizer that you get at a box store gets the grass green at first. It has that high middle number, but there's no nutrients for the roots. So it just, it gets green, but there's nothing there. So when it gets hot, it just dries out because it's just the foliage. Um, but with oh. our fertilizer, you're developing the roots as well. So then it, it mm-hmm. has something that can store water and it can sustain it and it'll stay greener a lot longer. So you use a lot less water. Okay. The other thing okay. to do well, is possibly um, remove the sod, maybe plant some junipers, a couple rocks on there, put some bark mulch, like make it look nice is another way of doing a slope. And I had a house in Dalhousie when I, like 20 years ago that I lived in, and it was a hillside bungalow that was all slope. I got rid of all my grass and, and just put plants and rocks and, and sort of made it look like a like a park, and then that looked good. So, so there's some alternatives oh, okay. for that as well. 
because this is lucky if it gets water twice a year. Yeah, no, and it's hard when it's a rental property and and, you, and obviously you don't want to force them to water because obviously it goes on their bill and stuff, but hopefully the water a little bit or if you if you can subsidize their water bill maybe and if get them to water a little more often. Um, mm-hmm. But that would be or you, or you do something else that is a solution. And like I said, a bit of different xeriscaping like with the bark mulch and the proper plants in that area and then it looks great. And then you don't have to worry about it. So, okay, okay, thank you all very right. much. Yeah, if you need any help with that, by all means, give our landscape team a call. Um, Conrad loves that kind of stuff, so he's our landscape okay. designer in house. Alrighty, thanks, Trish. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Bye bye. Yeah, we're actually pretty fortunate. I have a great team. I don't talk about the landscapers that much lately because we've been so busy and and they're going. But we have a great team, uh, Conrad and Luke and Katie in the office there. And uh, and Luke's out running the cruise. And Conrad's our, our landscape designer. He's uh, graduated from Guelph. He's actually going to be going for his master's. So we're proud of him. He does a great job. And we do the full 3D design. So Conrad can come in, design your your property you can walk you through it in full 3d so it, it's a pretty cool process when you go through it and uh and you're dealing with someone who's a, a super passionate in that as well like with with conrad and if he needs help he calls me in once in a while on some of the other projects and and luke's been with us for almost eight to ten years he was running our landscape uh team before then he was our carpenter for a while and now he's back to running the whole crew and so we got a very, very great team, very good team in the in the landscape department, and uh, and Katie keeps them all in line in the office. So we're, we're pretty fortunate there as well. So, anyways, where are we at for time? I'm going to go to Hugh. Good morning, Hugh. Hello. Hi, Hugh. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I'm building a uh, a raised bed for a neighbor. She's a single mom next door. And oh, nice. It's going to be um, about 14 inches high, and I'm a couple of questions. I'm wondering if I should put some sand or gravel in the bottom for drainage. Um, yeah, you should always do a little. Make sure there's some sort of. How high is the wall going to be? Yeah, the 14, beds? 14 inches and 30 inches uh, out from the fence. Yeah, um, you should be fine with that like if you're just doing i would just use a good like i would fill it with uh like a good potting so if it's only 14 inches and how long are you going to do it it'll be about 20 feet long okay yeah so just like a good garden mix and then i'd probably fill it two-thirds with the garden mix and then the top part i would just i would mix in like a potting soil so that was just nice to nice to work with it's nice and easy to to dig and stuff like that and you're going to get great results so good okay yeah that's uh that's the only thing i wondered about yeah thank you all right you're very welcome all right thanks you take care thanks merle bye-bye bye-bye all right and if you'd like to join me phone lines are wide open you can give me a call at 403-974-8255 and I'm gonna I'm gonna get a lot of questions. I've already had two or three on this. If you look outside, you'll see your spruce trees are starting to go yellow on the inside of the of the towards the trunk. Sort of can be two to four feet out. Um, typically, it's a normal process. It's something that you're gonna it's gonna happen all over the place. Like you see it in your pines, the spruce this time of year, especially when we've had a drier summer. 
it's the evergreens natural process where they shed their leaves or shed their needles so totally fine so don't don't worry and uh, so Mikey sent me this picture on some of yours I would try to remove some of the grass though on those spruce and maybe put bark mulch underneath them you have some great rocks and things so I would just uh, I'd rent a sod cutter around the two foot perimeter around the outside of those branches and I'd remove all the grass and it looks like you just worked hard to get it growing in there but uh, but then you're not hitting it with the lawnmower. I know she have a couple of broken branches from from going by with the lawnmower. So I would just I would do that. I would remove that, put bark mulch around those, go two or three feet out from the from the drip line of those branches, and uh, just use the sod cutter and then spray the rest of it underneath with Roundup. Don't spray the tree but spray just the grass, and uh, it'll kill that. Then just put two or three inches of bark mulch over top, and uh, it'll save a lot of work in the future of trying to keep that grass green and mowing and all that. You're going to end up with a lot nicer look, and the trees will be thankful because then they can just drop their needles. They can do their thing. It's going to hold moisture, and uh, it makes it makes it way better for everybody. And... I'm going to take a quick break. If you want to join me after the break, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's only full-service year-round garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And... I got a quite a full board. I'm going to go to Elaine. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning. Hi there. How can I help you? I have a question about uh, raspberries and what I can do to winter them over better than they seem to have okay. done in the past. I I like to grow raspberries and have always had a pretty good sized patch, but of course every spring the whole top third of the bushes is desiccated and I just have to cut it away, and I don't get the production that I'd really like to have. Is there anything I can do this fall to um, see if I can maintain more of the canes than I have been able to in the past? What you, well, but what you do need to do is, um, you'll, when you look into the, your raspberry patch, you'll have they'll look like different colors of of canes. Yeah. Typically, you do this in the spring. You have the sort of the gray and then the brown ones. Yep. Um, I remove. You should remove all the gray stuff. Try and remove all the old canes, because okay. then all the all the energy from the plant is trying to keep those old ones alive instead of going to new growth and fruit production. Oh yes. So you need to get in there, remove that, and I I like to remove even if there's grass right up to them or if they're in a bed. You can put some mulch in there there's and water mulch, them in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, water them in really good. Like get one of those leaking soaker hoses, yeah, and just lay it along the base of it, and uh, and just let it go like water it really well, going up until freeze up. Because that way, there's going to be lots of moisture in the ground when those things go to foliate in the in the springtime, and then that's when they need all the energy. And sometimes we don't water enough in the spring. Yeah. Is when the plant is is just starting to sprout. That's when we need to start watering again, because especially on the foliage, fruit production like your apples, raspberries, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. because they need all that energy. They got to fulfill all those leaves, and then they got to set bud. Then they got to start producing fruit. And if they don't have any, enough moisture, 
and water in the ground to do that, they just shut down because then Mother Nature kicks in and it starts shutting down what it needs to, right? And for that, a plant will a lot of times shut down its fruit production or then they start shedding leaves. Or if they have a bunch of old wood like your raspberries, it's trying to use all that energy to um, revitalize or rejuvenate those old wood okay. instead of producing yeah. new fruit. So that's um, that's what I've always left it till spring to take all that stuff out. But that makes very much sense to get rid of it yeah. right now. Yeah, especially if it if it hasn't been done for a bit, like get in there, do it. But the, and the one of the big thing is water, and then fertilize it. Um, you can use our lawn fertilizer. You can sprinkle it all along the base of the of the of your hedge there of the uh -huh. raspberry patch as well, or you can use any of the evolve. We have a tree and shrub fertilizer that you can add to the soil because they're heavy feeders, right? You got a lot of foliage, and you're also producing a lot of fruit. So, yes. Well, thank you very much. That, that'll really help, I hope, for next year. Uh, awesome. Well, let me know. Hopefully that works out for you, Elaine. Take care. Thanks, Merle. Thank I love you your so show. Much. Thank Bye. you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. And where I'm at for time, I'm good. I'm going to go to Johanna. Good morning, Johanna. Oh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're very um, welcome. I, I'm in Medicine Hat, and I've been battling deer with my apple tree so i'd like to move it to the backyard it's about 10 feet tall and i'm not sure if i should be doing it now or if i should be waiting till the spring how long has it been in the ground for about three years i would okay. say uh, and how what do you what's your thought like are you just gonna try and dig it out by hand and lift it up yes okay that, that um, was the i would yeah myself i would wait till springtime but okay. then it's just, unless you're going to be really diligent and do it this fall, um, you got to, what, what you need to do is do a root pruning, sort of go two or three feet around the, the trunk of the tree and dig down as deep as you can straight down and sort of cut all the roots. And that's, then let it heal, sit in the ground before you move it. And then a couple of days later is go around, dig, get as much of the root ball as you can get and then have a tarp laying beside the tree and then lift as much of that root ball out and into a pot or onto the tarp and then drag it around to the back or to the front, whichever direction you're going, and and have your hole ready to go on the other end and uh, and put it in. And I'd use a product, either the Mike's Transplant. Um, it's a mycorrhiza for roots. You can get it at one of the garden centers down there or or a fertilizer like a 10 10 to just really help get the roots. I just find if it could sit through the winter and do it early, early spring, like soon as the ground thaws, it's just, you're more in growing season at that time. You're gonna, you'll, you'll tend to water it more. And if we get a real dry winter and if you forget to go water it, and if, you, if you've moved it, it has a less chance of survival. But in the springtime, yeah, it's kind of, it'll be on your mind more, I find. I'm totally okay with moving it in the spring. So yeah. would I, would I, if it needs pruning, would I prune it before I move it then while it's still sort of dormant? Yeah, you can, any of the pruning, absolutely. Yeah, you want to do as much of that as, you, as it needs early on. Um, again, so that way there's less foliage on it to, to refoliate when, you, when you've lost a bunch of the root system, right? So, okay, right. So, yeah, no, and, if you do it early spring, like just do it before, like, as soon as the ground thaws, 
like okay. go out a few days for root prune it a couple of days before you're going to do it let it heal up a bit and then go out get a big pot or a tarp of some sort keep as much of the root ball as possible and that's the big part just try and be gentle as you can in the spring and then get it into the hole water it really well and then at least once a week give it a shot of that 15 30 15 or 10 52 10 something like that with the with the high middle number for the roots right right Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate your advice. Yeah, and just use a product called Bob X as well over the winter or make sure you put some stucco wire or deer netting around that tree for the wintertime so it doesn't get chewed up. Yeah, it's been a problem. We moved down south from the north where the moose ate the trees, so I thought I could grow (laughs) deer. Yeah. So, um, But I think moving it in the back will help. Okay, well, thank you so much. I enjoy your show, and I appreciate your advice. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. I got to take a break, and you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Good morning. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. And I'm going to go to Don. Good morning, Don. Yeah, hi, Merle. Hey, how can I help you? How are you today? I'm doing awesome. And yourself? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Merle. I live in Black Diamond. Oh, nice. I Love it you, down there. I met you this last spring at the Spruce It Up. Yeah. Um, I got some Armenian cucumbers, and I grew about 10 plants in a window box in a, in a pot, uh, one of the big tree pots. And I they they grew up four feet high. I had about 100 uh, male flowers, but I got no female flowers. I didn't get a cucumber off all 10 plants. What happened? Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think why you wouldn't have had any of the, of the no other flowers. I had no flowers at all. They were all male, and there was over 100 flowers, and they grew up about four to the top of our my railing on my deck. Because typically when I, when I read about those, it just says, like, Armenian cucumbers have both male and female flowers. Male flowers will appear first yeah. and will continue to bloom. And about two weeks later, the first of the female flowers will appear. Yeah, Both types no of flowers female, are yellow. Yeah. I got no female flowers at all. There was no, cu- no not a cucumber grew huh. on all ten plants. Huh. And so I was wondering, my brother-in-law, he grows them out in Saskatchewan, and and uh, so I said, well, I'm going to try them and and um, got seed, but uh, I got didn't get a cucumber. And I did, yeah, it, we, we couldn't figure out what was happening. Yeah, because usually did you get lots of blooms, though, like, like oh, yeah, lots of the I male ones? Over 100 blooms, but they were all male. There were, it wasn't a female flower. Huh. Did you put out some flowers for them to come? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know what to do, you know. And I, we, we find the, uh, my wife is said, well, I'm not watering anymore, so. Yeah, so. and this, yeah, no, it, yeah, that's unusual that you would just get one 
like one species of flower on it because and this read like reading it they say encourage if you plant uh, oregano basil and other flowering plants nearby that will help them as well for the cross like for pollination to bring the bees in yeah to help well there, and wasn't, did a, you, there wasn't a lot of bees this year that was a problem out here yeah, I, and I have noticed that. I know I was listening to the radio show the other day, and they were talking about how bad the wasps are up in Edmonton. But we don't, we haven't had that. I find down here because usually at the garden center, I get a ton of people coming in asking for um, wasp solutions, and we just haven't had that. Yeah, well, we had we had wasps because my wife had to wipe out a couple of nests in the shed and stuff, and under the deck, but. Um, then there was a couple of ground nests too. So, yeah, the only thing like I, I just maybe just a bad batch, but it just seems weird. I'm not too sure why you wouldn't have got the other ones. If you're getting lots of flowers, it sounds like you had the right nutrients in the soil in that. Well, um, yeah, we we used the uh, the what was it? Um, oh, uh, it's a bag soil anyway, but. Uh, yeah, no, it, it sounded like you had everything going correct. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they grew nice. I mean, they, they crawled up the, the lattice on my deck and and got up about four feet high. And and, and, we, and we had lots of uh, lots of heat, so which is great. Oh, yeah, but I didn't get a female flower at all. And I was just kind of wondering if you knew what might have happened. You know, no. I'll, I guess I, I, I'll try next year again and and see what'll happen. I got them from West Coast Seeds, so yeah, and those are good seeds. I know like, we carry those in the store, and those are great. So I would just give it another shot. I'm do. I'll do a bit of research, and if I if I come up with something, I'll mention. Or if anybody else has any ideas, give us a shout, and uh, and you can help Don and I out. Okay, thanks, Merle. Thanks, Don. Take care. Yeah, nice to hear too. from you. Bye bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And I got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's misty and 11 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Just under two weeks into the school year and the Calgary Board of Education is changing the way it deals with cases of COVID-19. Starting tomorrow, schools will begin providing notifications when families self-report report a confirmed case of COVID to their school. If families report a a positive case, schools will send out a notice to the specific classes associated with the case, as well as a general notice to the school community. Those notices will come at the end of the school day and won't be sent out on weekends. The CBE stresses kids who are sick need to stay home, and if 10% or more of students stay home because of similar symptoms, AHS could declare an outbreak. With kids back in school, what they'll be taught next year is top of mind for many Albertans. Hundreds turned out for a rally at the Alberta Legislature yesterday, protesting the UCP's draft K-6 curriculum. Global's Nicole Stilgert with more on the ongoing calls to scrap it. What was produced uh, does not represent what we know to be high-quality curriculum. Carla Peck has consulted on curriculum development across Canada and internationally. She says it's all about having as many perspectives and experts as possible at the table, something she says the UCP didn't do. 
if this curriculum, which experts across the board have said in every single uh, subject area there are some serious problems, if this curriculum is ultimately enacted, we could be stuck with it for decades. For months, some of the major criticisms of the proposed curriculum included concerns over plagiarism and that it teaches a Eurocentric history while giving short shrift to Francophone and Indigenous perspectives. It's so important that we get this right, and the current uh, draft is garbage. It doesn't deserve to be in, in any school in Alberta. The province says the draft curriculum is just that, a draft. In a statement, Education Minister Adriana LaGrange's press secretary says Alberta education is listening and working with parents and educators to make improvements. Nicole Stilger, Global News. Decision Canada on Global News Radio. With just over a week to go until the federal election, the major party leaders are continuing to campaign across Canada. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau spoke with reporters on gun control and climate change, among other issues, at a campaign stop near Montreal this morning. Speaking in La Prairie, Quebec, Trudeau slammed Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole's stance on gun control. Aaron O'Toole specifically made a promise to the gun lobby that he would reverse our ban on military-style assault weapons. That's why the gun lobby is busy out there campaigning to make sure that people vote for Aaron O'Toole so that he can keep his promise to them. That's not what Canadians want. O'Toole is set to speak in Vancouver later today. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh spoke this morning in Sudbury during the first of four campaign stops in northern Ontario for him today. According to Michelle Rumpel-Garner's Twitter account, the Conservative candidate for Calgary Nose Hill has filed a libel notice against a Liberal Party candidate. The notice states Rumpel's reputation was targeted when Liberal New Brunswick Southwest candidate Jason Hickey suggested she edited a video and shared it online. In the video, Hickey is talking about capital gains tax on homes. Rumpel-Garner wants Hickey to retract the comments and make a public apology. The cleanup continues today after Hurricane Larry left a path of destruction this weekend along the southern coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. The city of St. John's is asking residents to stay home so crews can repair downed power lines and clean up branches and scattered debris. The Category 1 storm arrived with heavy rain and sustained winds of 130 kilometers per hour across the Avalon Peninsula. Taking a look at sports... The Stampeders snapped a two-game losing skid and avoided losing both ends of the Labor Day series with a 32-16 win over the Edmonton Elks last night. Bo, Le Bo Levi Mitchell was in the lineup for the first time since August 8th when he fractured his fibula in the season opener. The Toronto Blue Jays will send Stephen Matz to the mound for the fa er, finale of a four-game series at Baltimore this afternoon. The Blue Jays swept a doubleheader yesterday. Global News SkyTracker weather? Showers are expected this afternoon with a chance of a thunderstorm later in the day, reaching a high of 17. Cloudy with possible showers overnight, cooling to a low of 8, and tomorrow will be sunny with a high of 17. It's 11 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And I'm going to go to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Oh, hi, Merle. 
Um, I just have a question about um, spaghetti squash and butternut squash. It's the first time I've ever planted them, and I'm just not quite sure when I should harvest them. How are they looking right now? Um, They're a good size, that's for sure, Um, and they are kind of, well, they're, they're not the color that they would be if you bought them in the store. Yep. Yeah. So, so I just... the weather looks pretty decent for the next bit. You want you might want to leave them for a bit to ripen up. If you do pick them and just like you leave them on the counter, they will ripen like in the house. Um, but I would leave them on like as long as they don't get too big or start rotting underneath. Um, so I would I'd leave them on the vine a little bit longer. I know uh, like I'm amazed at the size. This is when all the energy goes into them because I just know even like. Terry at the garden center out in our tree lot, he has a pumpkin patch. He's growing these giant pumpkins. And I was gone for a week. I didn't go back there. And I went back. It was just like they tripled in size in almost a week. It's just at this time of year. Yeah, all the energy is going to to that. So I I myself would just leave them um, up until the first frost if they haven't got to where you want them to be. And then after that, you pretty much have to pick them anyways. And just watch that. We, they can't They don't want to. They can't go too cold. Like if you get to that minus two, they'll get mushy. So you just want to make sure you pull them out before that. But a lot of people leave them until they're, they're ripe on the vine. And uh, have you pulled any off and tried them yet? Or I haven't. No, I haven't. Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe try one of them and sort of see what stage it's at, and and it's going to vary depending on how much sun you're getting and and what location as well. So okay. And then once I once I pick them, say I have to pick them all at one time. What's the best way to keep them? Like, do you keep them in the basement? Do you have yeah, to keep cool, them in the dark fridge? place. Yeah, okay. cool, dark spot. Um, yeah, definitely not in the fridge and things like that. Just cool, dark spot. Um. Uh, similar to like tomatoes, some people wrap them in in newspaper or just just store them in a in a cool in a box that has lots of good aeration, like you know those boxes you get when you when you buy cherries or something with the holes all in them, oh, like right. something like that. Because that's why they have those holes in those boxes. Because a lot of those fruit they need that airflow still. So if you seal it all up, they just they'll rot away on you. Oh, so just, okay. Yeah. So just cool, cool, dark place, cool as possible, cool spot in the house is the best for just storing them. Okay, perfect. And then I have one other question for you. Sure. I had planted for the first time um, some elephant ear bulbs in my planters, and it took forever for them to get to a half decent size. In fact, they're 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 not a feature at this point in time. Even um, can I winter those bulbs? Yeah. Yeah, were they the ones that probably with a little bit of color? Like, were they caladiums or? Yes, that does sound familiar. That yeah. sounds like the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times we sell them as house plants, anyway. So yeah, just dig them out, um, shake a little bit of the soil off the bulb. Just be gentle with it. Put them into a a little bit of a bigger pot. Put some fresh soil, water them, and just just enjoy them as a house plant for the winter. Oh, perfect. Okay. Okay, yeah, great. no, we we grow them as winter. Actually, I just pulled in my uh, lemon tree from outside yesterday, and I'm going to pull my bougainvillea in the, today, and uh, just 
couple of cool nights i can see them already starting to get a little bit on the foliage so i i started moving some of my stuff in i always check the leaves i give everything a good hosing off first um just to get all the spider webs or spider mites or if there's any aphids or anything and if i do see any of that i'll give it a quick shot of pure spray green before i bring them inside and, oh okay uh, but that I should way. probably think about moving those pretty soon then, eh? Yeah, calidiums, they okay. cannot take any frost at all, like those uh, those elephant ears and that. They're, they're very tender, so. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thanks okay. for calling, Carol. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Elmer. Good morning, Elmer. Oh, good morning, Merle. Um, I've got four apple trees that are mature trees, the 24, 25 years old, okay. four different varieties. I'd like to do a major pruning, I'd like cut them back as much as I can. How much can I do and when? Okay, and why do you want to do that? Are they I'd just like got to too big or just? Right now they're about uh, 12, 14, 16 feet tall. And yeah. uh, so I've got beautiful apples, but they're they're getting too big. I can't reach the tops, and they're getting wormy at some one month. Yeah, I'd just be careful where you prune. If you just prune off a whole bunch off the, if you just prune the whole thing back like thirty percent, you're just going to get a ton of new growth next spring, and okay. it's going to like just a whole bunch of those water because you're going to have that bigger root system with a smaller yep. foliage. So you're going to get all kinds of sucker. So what I would do is try and reduce the top and get it growing a little bit more horizontal. So similar to when you go to BC and you yeah. look up in the orchards, they have them growing a little bit more horizontal. So I would just I would take some more off the top, take your time on doing any of the pruning, but you can do it now or, or first thing in the spring. Um, I, I Typically on doing something like that, I would wait um, – let all the leaves download, get all that energy back into the root system. And and then, again, sure. being careful you don't go too big on, on your cuts is uh, you might even want to wait till uh, like February or March, something like that as well. But you, you can do it now. Just try not taking like large branches, like a whole bunch of them off at one time. And because, like I said, you're going to get a ton. You can also have give Mark a call at at our pruned it up, and because uh, trees like that, you just don't want to make a mess of them. Once you cut them, you can't uh, you can't no. glue it back on. So so just <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah. So much. just be yeah. Just be careful on that, and uh, and uh, like I said, just t- really take your time on cutting like one one at a time, and make sure and take a look at where the branch where you're doing your cut where the branch is pointing below where you're making the cut. Like make sure you're not pointing it inside or outside, you know, because that's really, that's going to be the main branch above where, right below where you make your cut. So you want that branch pointing in the right direction. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Major cutback. Can you go 40, 50% on a tree like that or not? Uh, There would be no sense because all you're going to do Elmer, you're just going to get a ton of new growth. It's just going to try and get right back to that spot again, anyways. And you're oh. just you're you're going to make a weak tree. Like it, okay. it just, yeah. I I see it all the time. I see people they cut them way back and they just get a whole bunch of growth, and then it's just a mess, right? 
Ike. Yeah. You're better just yeah. to reduce it on the top a bit, take a couple feet off, get it going in the right direction, do some nice horizontal pruning, get it shaped. And sometimes it takes two or three years to get it like to the right spot. But just to do a 40, 50%, I, I 100% wouldn't do it. It would just okay. it's it's just going to cause all kinds of stress, and you're going to get tons of new growth next spring, and it's just going to be all those water suckers everywhere growing all over okay. that tree. Yeah, and you're gonna it'll you'll just make a mess. I'll be honest with you, like and I and I drive really by there, and, it, and then when I drive by your house, I'd say, Elmer, what'd you do, man? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Elmer. Oh, appreciate that. All right. Yeah, but show. like I said, feel free to give Mark a shout. He'd be more than happy to give you some advice and look at him for you. I'm out in Saskatchewan, 12 miles okay. from the Manitoba border. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, if there's any, but if there are arborists out there, but just, <laughs> Elmer, just take your time. Take a, like, this even, like, this one or two cuts, and then just t just take your time. Like, take, it'll, it's going to take a year or two to, to get it where you want it to be. Just don't try and do it all at once. <laughs> okay, all right? Great stuff. Patience. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. Mark wouldn't mind a trip to Manitoba, so why not? Let's send them out there. But right now, I'm going to take a break. If you want to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to John. Good morning, John. Hi, Merle. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? I um, trimmed down my lilac here uh, a couple of years ago, like you suggested, right down low. Yeah. And, uh, it's coming up again. Uh, it's doing very well. There's about five long, skinny stalks. That are, they're getting over six feet, and that's what I don't want can you trim those up a bit? Uh, and will they, uh, yeah, they'll thicken them up. Yeah, just take a third off the top or about 20%. You can take a, like a foot off the top just to, and that'll help thin them out or thicken them up down below. Will they bush out at all or will they just uh, be the typical lilac? Uh, um, yeah, they will end up just being the typical lilac. Um, but if you do keep them trimmed at the top, the only problem is if you're when you're doing your trimming, you end up losing the blooms for the following year. Yeah, like there's like there's a hedge in Calgary around the Sundance Lake. They keep it trimmed as a hedge along the fence, and it never blooms on top. But they do get the blooms on the side because they set bud just after they bloom in the summer. So if they get trimmed after that, you lose the next year blooms. So when would be the best time to do that? Spring or could I do it before winter? Uh, typically, right after they bloom, like like just even like when you cut some of the blooms off to enjoy them. Yeah. If you wanted to cut, you can just trim it at that time. But if it's just on the top, if there's just one stalk going up, I I would do it at any time, and then next spring oh, it'll thicken up for you. Uh, actually, quite even. There. Okay. And oh, nice. Yeah, so I would just wait till right after they're done blooming then and then just give it a little trim at, and you're just trying to keep them a little bit shorter. Yeah, yeah, the um they were before I cut them down they were interfering with my roof and the uh, uh eavesdrop and whatnot. They they got that high. Yeah, and it's and it's hard to and they will always shoot to get that height again um cuz that's just in their normal growth yeah. structure. Um so yeah, I would just try and keep them a couple feet lower than that, 
but you just have to make sure you're diligent on that every year. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Linda. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Hi there. How can I help you? Hi. I have calla lilies that are beautiful. Last year, I tried to dry them, and I put them in peat moss in a brown bag. But in the springtime, when I was going to plant them, they were rotten. So I was wondering, how do I start and go about keeping the bulbs, and do I have to keep them down? Um, um, no, so if you want to dig them up, which is you're on the right track, I think you maybe just didn't let them dry out long enough. Like leave them outside in the in the sun for like a few days. Just uh-huh. let them dry up, dry up nicely, and then make sure you if you do put them in. I like using a box rather than a bag because then okay. it can breathe a bit more. Um, so put them into like a cardboard box and um, put some of the peat moss in there. And then put your bulbs in there, like either your dahlia bulbs and the calla bulbs or what have you, and and store them that way. It, and just because if you leave any of that green growth on top or anything, it, it, they will, I find they rot on you. So it's just yeah. ensuring that they dry out really well, like for a few days out in the sun. And, yeah, uh, and then just, I, I would use a box rather than a bag myself. Or if you do use a bigger bag, just poke some holes in the bag so it can get some airflow. Do you have to keep them moist like spray? No, no, the- you don't want to keep them moist. You want to let them just stay dry. But it's just really important, just cool and dry, like just in that in the coolest spot in your house, like down in the down in the corner of somewhere, the coolest, darkest spot you have in the house. So uh, cover them up with peat moss, or just lay them on top. Yeah, yeah, no, cover them with peat moss if you have it, like some cocoa moss or peat moss, or even just a lot of the potting soils are basically (laughs) peat moss anyway. So you can just use that, and then you can use that when you go to plant. And what about a cover for the box? No, I would just 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 fold the lid over, like just a box with a lid. Just fold them over like you like you would. Like just that crisscross fold. You want to let okay. air get in there, so and so that's okay. you don't want to seal it right up. Great. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. All right. Hopefully that mm-hmm. helps you, and uh, and you'll have some success with that. And and okay. try and save the bigger bulbs. Like hopefully that's that you need that as well. And do it after the first frost. So after when the they're out frost. when they're out in the garden, yeah, they'll get that first frost, mm-hmm. and then cut off that foliage. Bring them in, let, leave them outside, let them dry, and then before you store them away. So you're saying good. after the first frost, even though the foliage is still green? Yeah, well, after the first frost, you'll it'll it like it'll either be brown or black or whatever. Yeah, okay. It'll turn to mush oh, right oh, away. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. Thank you. Alrighty. Bye. All right. Have a good All day. Right. You too. Thanks, Linda. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to... Joyce. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning, Merle. My question is, I have a plot, a garden plot. It hasn't been planted for two years, and it's weedy. Now, I plan on using it next spring. How would I get rid of the the weeds? What do you you want to grow? 
Well, I thought potatoes and beets and turnips. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't recommend treating it like with Roundup or anything like that. Typically, if you're going to do grass, I would say just spray it with Roundup and <laughs> okay. and let it die back. And uh, they say it's safe to do and, and grow veggies. I, I just myself, I, I just still don't feel great about it. So it's either getting in there with a, a rotor tiller or or just the old good old fashioned sweat equity right. <laughs> and, gotcha. and pull, pulling a bunch of the big weeds, turn it over this fall, uh-huh. um, rototill it all up and then pull out as much as the weed as possible after you rototill this, cause that where all the seeds will be right. gotcha. and all that. Mm-hmm. And oh. so just re- remove all that. And then next spring again, rototill it one more time before you plant and then it's just a matter of keeping on it it's just and and when it's easy if you get yourself one of those three-pronged cultivators and you sort of you go along and you weed it sort of every three or four days and you keep on top of it then it then it's not a problem it just when it gets left like you were saying for a couple years and then all of a sudden now you got a now you got a big job to deal with right right so Okay. The initial one, there's not, there's, there's not an easy button for that one, unfortunately, Joyce. It's, it's just uh, getting in there and, and pulling a bunch of the weeds and, uh, and, and going from there. So and you're telling maybe, me I'll get in shape in the summer next year, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, yeah. Merle. Thank yeah. you. I enjoy your welcome. show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Joyce. Bye bye. All right. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes on those. Um, circumstances there's not there's not the easy button and sometimes you wish there was but un- unfortunately we don't have that and when things get left it's just a matter of getting in there and putting the time in and, and doing the work and I got a quick text here before the end of the of this uh, before I need to take a break good morning Merle first off I so enjoy your show and you've taught me so much. Well, thank you. And I actually, I learn all the time listening to everybody. It, it uh, pushes my, my knowledge up. And if I don't know something, I try to figure it out. So I, I appreciate, and I love doing it. It's something I look forward to every Sunday and uh, I totally enjoy it. My question is to you, should I be giving my brand new trees that were planted in the summer, some fertilizer before winter and what product is best? Absolutely. And uh, what I would do is the most important thing is to water them well. And at this time of year, you can start feeding your um, your new trees. You can either use a product, um, a fish fertilizer, 01010, or you could use like a, a transplant fertilizer, like the 105210 is, is another great one to water everything in with. In the fall, make sure you water it a couple times first and then water it in with the 105210. And then, Joan, you'll have good success. It'll have that nutrients for next um, spring and even right now because right now it's just established its root system. So you got to ensure that you're getting that moisture down there for it, and you'll be good to go. I'm going to take a quick break for the news. If you want to join me, phone lines will be wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's cloudy and 12 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. Only a week to go in the federal election campaign. Canadians head to the polls on September 20th. The major party leaders are out campaigning today with the NDP and Liberal leaders in central Canada, while the Conservative leader is on the West Coast. 
An Ontario man is facing a charge of assault with a weapon for allegedly throwing gravel at Justin Trudeau at a campaign stop last week. London Police Service say Shane Marshall has appeared in court and has another appearance scheduled for October 6th. Cleanup continues today after Hurricane Larry left, uh, brought heavy rains and wind, leaving a path of destruction this weekend along the southern coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. Chance of showers or a thunderstorm later today with a high of 17, cloudy and a low of 8 overnight. It's 12 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Garden. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. 403-974-8255. I should finish my sentence before I start the next one. And I'm going to go to the phone lines. We're going to go to Cheryl. Good morning, Cheryl. Hi, how are you, Mo? I'm doing great. How can I help you today? Love your show. I have a jade plant, beautiful jade plant that has white cottony bugs on it. Yeah, I just I pulled your picture up. But times this year, yeah. and yeah, I just um, uh, come back stronger. Yeah, I just uh, actually I just pulled your pictures up, and that it's mealy bug. Okay, and and um, the best thing if you can is just um, you, I I like to this if you can. How big of a pot is that in? Um, the pot itself is not big, but the plant is pretty big. I can carry okay. it. Okay. If you can, I would take it outside on the deck, get the hose out with a little bit of a nozzle on it, union nozzle, and I'd just spray it down really well. Like get get some of the pressure into those areas where that mealy bug is. And or if you want to just do it inside, you can use it like a Q-tip, and you can either use like rubbing alcohol and just get in there. You just scrape all that. Um, Cred out and the mealy bug. You can use uh, pure spray green as well um, to get in there and get it. But I just find it's better just to remove it. Like you got to almost get in there with the Q tip or the uni nozzle and just spray it out. And then okay. I uh, have hosed it off three times this year and the bugs just come back. Yeah, the eggs are on there. So that's where you just got to follow up with the okay. uh, pure spray green. Okay, perfect. And if you do that sort of if you if you sprayed it, then again in five days, and then again in five days, you just gotta again just get get the eggs before they're able to set in there. So, are the eggs in the soil as well? They can be, yes. Okay, so should when I spray it, I yeah, don't... hose the soil down as well. Okay, perfect. And I just spray yep. the entire plant, right? Yeah, yeah, all okay. get it, all the crevices, all that stuff, soak it in there really good, and uh, and then even after that, anything you can see visibly, like either like a little like a small like a dish towel that's a little bit a not abrasive, but you know like a terry cloth that has those little where you can get in there and and scrub it out a bit, yeah. or a Q-tip or something like that, and uh, and get in this squish any of those out of there as best you can anything that's visible to the eye perfect will do all righty thank you you're very welcome thanks bye cheryl bye-bye and i'm gonna go to gord good morning gord hey good morning uh i have a question regarding uh, potential cinch bugs in my lawn i've got some browning areas i think i treated them before well yeah uh, can i use uh, malathion or what should i use uh, i can try um, 
you give it a good spray out. Uh, pure spray green works pretty good. I believe Malathion will work as well if you have that. Just be careful. You don't do it on a hot day. Um, today's a great day to do it. Um, nice and cool. The the product that you're going to use is it going to evaporate. So if, if you use that and uh, or pure spray green, um, just make sure you do a good soil dredge. I like to water it first a bit so that way I make sure I don't burn my grass. It'd be a and good then, day today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I just got a flash on my phone. I th- we just got to have a severe thunderstorm watch for, for our area. So <laughs> yes. hopefully we don't get that. It's, so uh, pure spray green or and or the melophion with your... Yeah, I would do are... either or. I wouldn't do it together. No, no, but, no, no. Uh, just, so just be careful really, with the melophion. Myself, I, I like using the pure spray green. It's a little... Um, it's a little safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it works really well. So, okay. I sent you a text earlier. So if you get it, thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. All right. Much. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Gord. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to do a few texts here. And uh, I got lots on the go here. Um, hi, Merle. For any squash plants, including cucumbers, I fertilize the female flower with the nearest male flower. Amazing results. So she maybe does a bit of cross pollination on that, and uh, and and helps out with the with the production of any of your plants. So that's always a good idea to. You know, sometimes you got to help out if you, if we're not getting the bugs or if you don't have enough of the bees at the right time. And then reading more of that. And that's the idea. What the male does, the male plant, the male flower comes out first, and that's to attract all the bees to get them there for when the female flowers come out in the next week or two after that. Um, they're there buzzing around doing their thing, and then if you get the, the the female flowers, the only time, and maybe when you don't get the female flowers, maybe there was an interruption in watering. Or or something like that, um, um, stalled it at that time. But ensure any of those plants get lots of sunshine. They they produce way better when they have lots of sun. Is the other thing I could do um, as well, and that would definitely help out. Um, and I got a couple of texts here. That I'm going to read off. Just wondering if this rose bush will survive the winter. Thank you for any information. And what she has, she has a nice little. Uh, a potted rose that you that you have in the house um it will continue um just keep deadheading any of the flowers that keep going as they're spent um fertilize it keep it in a bright spot fertilize with 15 30 15 and uh it, it, you should get maybe two or three cycles of it it might stop doing it for a bit and go dormant a little bit so at that time what i would do is just cut it right back I'm down to a couple inches and then let the new growth come and again keep fertilizing sort of once a month with the 15 30 15 keep it in a bright light and then just keep an eye out also for any of the spider mites and things like that because they love going to roses in the in the house for the winter time and right now I'm going to take a break so if you'd like to join me phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's only year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I got one quick text that I'm going to do. Hi, Merle. 
planted about 40 gladioli bulbs, gladiola bulbs um, this past spring. They, they came up all right. They did flower, but they're top-heavy and slumped over. They typically do need staking, unfortunately, unless you just got them in the right spot without any wind because sometimes they get top-heavy. And depending on your soil and how, how well they get rooted in, they become really quite top-heavy and they will blow over. So either you stake them or you, or you put a, a small trellis around them of some sort to hold them up. Um, those do need to get pulled up, Terry. He's up in sundry. And so what I would do is similar to what I mentioned earlier with the canna lily bulb or the calla lilies or dahlias, they need to be pulled up and they need to be dried out, shake all the soil off. They need to be dried out really well, put them into a cardboard box with some peat moss, really dry peat moss, make sure it's dry, store them in a cool, dark place. Um, but it's important to do this all after the frost. And with the gladiola, it's going to be a little bit longer than some of the other plants because they can take a bit more frost than some of the other ones that we've mentioned in the past. All right. And I'm going to go to the phone lines as we get a full board. I'm going to go to Joyce. Good morning, Joyce. Hi. Hi there. Hi. How can I help you? I have a question about um, storing a ceramic planter. Um, yeah. It was a present for Mother's Day, so I want to make sure it survives. It's quite tall. It's about waist high. <clears throat> and it said on it, frost-proof, but I don't think that would include 30 below somehow. Um, long as it's not full of soil and, and really wet soil going into fall. Mm -hmm. um, I, we have quite a few. And if it's, if it's the good Asian clay, um, they are frost-resistant. Like you say, frost-proof, frost-resistant. Mm -hmm. um, I, I leave all ours outside all winter. Um, well, I store them. A lot of times I'll flip them upside down mm -hmm. or if, make sure they have a good drainage hole. Just so water doesn't fill up and get that expansion on it. If, 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 it, if it gets full of water and the ice can build up and then that's what splits it. It's not really the cold. It's more the moisture that gets yeah, I, in on it, hmm. and then that splits it. So, Okay. I suspect this one did come from your place. <laughs> okay, I, nice. Yeah. We have, a, we, have a big, we have a big, we have a good selection of pottery. You do, so that's, indeed. Yeah. And it's been beautiful all summer. Um, so, and the other thing it, was the amount of dirt you have to put in it. Um, yes. And I wondered if there's anything that you could use in, say, the bottom half um, instead of a potting soil, because it took almost a... A sack of potting soil. Yeah. So what I do is, as I, either I fill it up with soil the first year, and then every year after that, I just I remove the top third, and I okay. leave the bottom stuff in there, uh -huh. and I just re I just replace rejuvenate the top thirty percent of the pot, and and leave it. Um, we do have these things called I think they're upsidaisies. If it's a round or square. It's it's shaped and it has a bit of a wedge along the side of it, so it only goes down the pot a certain amount, like halfway, and then you just fill the soil up over top of the upsy daisy, and oh, the bottom okay. half never gets filled up. Or some people have used like the plastic milk jugs or something like that, um, or empty two liter pot bottles, fill the bottom half with those, and then that way you get good drainage, and then also you're getting. Uh, you don't have to use as much soil. Yeah, but, it did take a lot. Yeah, and that's <laughs> uh, and I totally agree. But on the first, on that, typically what I do is then I just 
in the fall when I dig out my plants, I dig out the top third, and and then I just leave it, and then okay. I just add the add the top thirty percent. I don't replace the whole soil every year. So as long as I sort of loosened the, the bottom two-thirds of totally the soil fine. Yeah. and made yeah, sure and it if, was dry, it would yeah. be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And if you want to, if you want to have a, be a little extra careful, you could put like a, a clear garbage bag over it or a, or a regular garbage bag, or if you want to move it inside into a garage or something like that, it doesn't hurt. Um, I thought I'd like put it in the potting shed. It's fairly substantial. It used to be an old smokehouse. Yeah, so I thought I would no, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's definitely any of that helps for sure. Yeah, I don't want to put it anywhere where it might get a a, a ding. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks very much. You're on you the help. right track. Thanks, Joyce. <laughs> Take yeah, care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, and 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 in Calgary, it is. We have a a a fierce weather. Right. We go from sometimes in the summer and especially in the winter time. It can be minus 20 one day, and then all of a sudden it's plus 20. And it always seems like, especially around Christmas time in that in December, because there's been a lot of uh, Christmas days. I've been out barbecuing a turkey, and uh, and it's plus 10 out or plus 15, and you're out there in your shorts on the deck. And, and then other times when it could be minus 20. So um, we definitely get that variety of weather. But right now I'm going to go to Joan. Good morning, Joan. Yes, hello. Hi there. Uh, you wanted to know how to mark where your bulbs are planted? Yeah, do you I have a tip a on that? Idea. Yeah. Uh, I ring it, ring all the bulbs when they come up in the spring with small rocks. Uh, okay. White granite, crushed rocks, whatever. And then I plant annuals like Clarkia, poppies, Shirley poppies. Soldier poppies or marigolds, something like that. And then I don't dig them up. And after the bulbs bulbs are spent, then then you have something growing in that patch. That's nice. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. And and you're planting something that you don't need to dig really deep, so you're not going to dig up the roots either, right? No, no. Actually, I just plant the annual seeds. On, yeah. oh, on okay. the ground yeah. uh, about March, a nice day in March, right? And then they come yeah. up whenever they want to come up. That's a great idea. Okay. Thank you so I much, Joan. I appreciate that. That's the best thing about gardening is when we share. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I've Perfect. listened for over 22 years. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I haven't been doing it that long, but I've uh, I've taken over from a couple other gentlemen that were doing it before, and uh, and I've I've already been on this. I think eight years I've been doing it, so it's uh, it's amazing how fast it's gone by. Exactly. Yeah, it's great fun. Thanks. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. All right, I'm going to take a break for the news uh, and uh, and some commercials. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go right to the phone lines. I'm going to go to Peter. Good morning, Peter. Hi there. I've got How a can I help uh, you? I got a huge poppy plant, perennial. You know the big red uh, yeah. flowers. Yeah. And it's growing in a spot I don't want, and I want to transplant it somewhere. Okay. When and how? Um, the best time is. You want to let it just totally die back this fall. 
Um, don't cut any of the leaves off and just nope. let all that nutrients go back into it. And then I would just mark it with a stake or you'll, if you know exactly where it is and if it sounds yep. like it's big enough, it'll be there noticeable in the springtime. So what I would do is in the spring when the ground first thaws and you're able to dig, I would just cut around it, do a nice, get as much of a root ball as you can and either scoop it up and just into a shovel and have your, uh, we have your new hole ready to go where you want to put it. And then at that time, I would just move it over and leave the old foliage on for a bit still and then pack it in there, water it in well, and then just wait till the till the new foliage starts sprouting up and then remove the old foliage because you want to leave that old foliage there still to protect it. Can you and, put it on uh, the east, east side of a house? Um, depends how much light it's getting on that side. They do like it nice and warm. Like they like a sunny spot that'll do a lot okay. better. Well, front is better. Yeah, okay. they like they like a lot of sun. They'll just perform that much better for you. When okay. you have that east side, you'll want to go to like Ligularias, Annabelle hydrangeas, hostas, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, okay. I would I would get that in a nice sunny hot spot. Okay. Thanks. All right. Take care. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Peter. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to go to Al. Good morning, Al. Hello. Hi there. How can I help you? Yeah, just a quick question. I'm getting some white mildew on my lawn. I'm wondering how I would treat that. Um, you can. It's a lot of it is just. Um, what, are you getting it all summer as well, or? No, we're getting but, it from our neighbor's lawn, and it started a couple weeks ago. Oh really? And just like it just looks like a powdery mildew on it. A lot of it yep. is just if they're if they're again if it's if they're watering at at night or or and then the water sits there for long periods of time. But mm-hmm. typically, I haven't seen much of that this year because it's been so dry and hot. And yeah. uh, so, but you could just make sure you're not getting that cinch bug. Okay. As well, so just go in there and just dig in the roots a bit and just look and see if there's any little beetle looking bugs in there all right um but the best way you can just give it a spray with pure spray green um and you can just put that in a hose end sprayer or in a water can you can just treat those areas it works as a great fungicide okay and then real quick about we had bulls for the first time last year so i just cut the grass real short before the winter snow comes yeah and that works well because they they do like they prefer longer grass so that way they have a place to hide and they like okay. to chew it up and do their thing and make their tunnels and if you keep your grass a little bit shorter um, and going through and then the summer when you're mowing they tend to stay away because they it they they know if they pop their head up they're gonna get whacked right so they <laughs> they tend to <laughs> they tend to know not to to hang around that real tighter where it's been mowed all the time so if you let your grass go longer they feel a little bit more comfortable then especially in the winter time and then when we get our snow cover it's perfect for them they can hide from all the predators they're underneath yeah. the snow there's lots of grass to chew and uh, they go do that thing so there we go well thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Al. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I think I have time for our last call. I'm going to go to Allison. Good morning, Allison. Hi there. Hi. How can I help you? Um, so I'm wondering about Pure Spray Green and yeah. using it on a tropical plant. 
Yeah. Um, when I I purchased uh, quite expensive ones, and some of them like have fuzzy leaves, like the um, yeah. A lot of the fuzzy the leaf stuff, you got to be careful. Yeah. Any yeah. of the fuzzy leaf, you got to be careful. So, what do I use for something like that then, or how do I apply it so that I'm not bringing thrips into my house with all my other expensive tropicals? Yeah, it's just a matter of checking them. Thrip is a real hard one to control as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's they're so tiny, and usually you don't notice them until you're getting the damage already. So yeah. is this getting a magnifying glass, looking for that tiny little bug down there? Um, and it's really more of a wiping. What I would do is dipping something into a um, into uh, like a like a Q-tip into like either a malathion or ambush or something, and then just and and wiping it off that way. Any With, of the real fuzzy leaves. Into you, what? Sorry. Like either like ambush is a pimethrin based product, and depends okay. what bug you have, right? If you have thrips or aphids, um, okay. Anything manual is the better way to get it off. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm sorry, Allison. I'm just out of time. And, it's okay. Uh, Thank you so much and, for for answering my question, and have yourself a great weekend. You as well. Thank uh-huh. you so much, Allison. Take care. All right, and thanks for everybody for calling in. Lots of texts today. Lots of calls. Appreciate it. Enjoy the day. Keep an eye out for that thunderstorm warning later on, and we'll get our garden on right here next week on seven seventy CHQR.